know what I'm saying? Nah, nigga. For so my niggas that feel me, throw your hands up, you know what I'm saying? For so my honeys that know how we do, throw your hands up. This is the joint. I don't know which one to pick. My feelings from them both are getting thick. Now am I wrong? Cause I don't wanna lose none of them. Am I confused? Cause I don't wanna choose one of them. It's no doubt I think about my honeys every day. That's no question. Show my Let's go, you got it. Episode 57, right back at you. It's a classic right here, too. I'm glad you feel that way. Sometimes we just chill late. Back when we're resting, it was love at I don't even want to talk over this because this is such a classic for real. This is timeless music right here. Let's go. 
Let's go, Lost Boy. Straight fire classic right there. Fire classic. Shout out to Lost Boys. Definitely got a they got a decent catalog from what I can remember, but that that jam is definitely probably my favorite jam they ever did. They got a couple other jams though. But yeah, man, we we back. You got it. Episode fifty seven. I'm still in the process of trying to get episode fifty five uploaded. I did um post a a snippet from episode fifty five uh, on my YouTube channel, which I just started, by the way. So I do have I do have that up, and the visuals they're coming. I mean, I'm starting to feel. You know, I, I put the other the snippet up. I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable uh, on the camera. You know what I mean? And, and it, it, I guess it's just weird looking at yourself. That's all. So that's definitely like a, a, a you know, a something different that I got to get used to. But I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable, man. You know what I mean? So it's all it's all part of the process. I acknowledge that I still have you know a ways to go. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting uncomfortable. You know what I mean? I'm getting uncomfortable. So, but yeah, this episode fifty-seven, we we might do some some visuals from this episode. Um, that's possible. So I'm starting to think I may just do snippets from from uh snippets from the um from episodes and post those on my YouTube because posting a an hour long YouTube video is. It's very it's hard, man. At least I don't know. Maybe I don't have the right phone. Maybe I need to get some better equipment. Maybe I need some more storage on my phone. It's got to be something of that nature. But I, I'm gonna figure it out. Believe that. You know, I feel like uh, Chris Garner from Pursuit of Happiness, man. I might not know the answer now, but I'm gonna get it and I'm gonna figure it out at some point. And and I promise you that. But um, yeah, man. So you know, let's let's kind of get into it. We not starting with sports today. We're going to end with sports today. We're not going to start with the sports. I do want to get into something that I feel is is a very big story right now. It's the Hollywood writers. You know, they're closing their laptops and heading to the picket line. Thousands of unionized scraps writers who say they are not paid fairly in the streaming era went on strike early Tuesday, bringing television production to a halt. It comes after high-stakes negotiations between a top guild and a trade association representing Hollywood's marquee studios, um, and they failed to, you know, stop the walkout. So this is the first walkout in more than 15 years, and the board of directors from the WGA, which includes West Coast and East Coast branches, voted unanimously to call for a walkout and said writers face an existential crisis. Existential? Yeah, I guess yeah, it's spelled kind of crazy. Um, so, you know, they go on to say that the company's behavior has created a gig economy inside a union workforce 
and their immovable stance in this negotiation has betrayed a commitment to further devaluing the profession of writing. And I'm all for I'm all for this strike, man. I'm all, I'm all for it. Um, I know many a times, you know, when I'm, you know, doing recaps of, of different shows, I'm always, you know, shouting out to the writers and, and the showrunners. Um, they're very important in regards to you know what they do uh, on sets and in production of shows. And should they they should be paid, you know, worth their value. And hopefully that this deal gets uh, done sooner or later. Um, but you know there 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 is some some talks in in place. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers uh, said in a statement that its offer included generous increases in compensation for writers. And you know that that's yeah. They, I mean they should be they should be compensated, man. They provide a specific skill set. Um that not many people can do. Um, I know when you know when you see when you think about your favorite shows, uh Insecure with Issa Rae, um, even Power, BMF, I mean those writers they're not, you know, they're they're working uh, around the clock to to put together um you know storylines and 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 make these storylines um you know see life on on the TV screen. So I do feel that, you know, fair compensation for them is only right. They spend a lot of time. I mean, I, you know, as someone that likes to write myself, um, whether it be journaling and, you know what I mean, poems. Yeah, I do write poems. I know that's kind of corny, but um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I do I do like to write. Man, and that, that's one of the things I like to do. And I feel like when you're putting those thoughts onto a page, it means something. You know what I mean? It, it definitely means something. And what they, you know, what the writers are asking for is, I don't think, is something that um, is a bad thing. Fair compensation, man. That's all. Fair compensation. That's all they're asking for. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing, uh, you know what I mean? Nothing that they should actually be Ashamed for asking for fair compensation. So we we will kind of see what happens with this story moving forward. Uh, they definitely have affected a lot of shows. Um, there's a lot of shows that have went dark. Um, you know, this whole means that many scripted projects have been dark. What well, will go dark? resulting in a Hollywood shutdown not seen since COVID and not felt, you know, since the last strike of 15 years ago. Um, so some of the shows that are going dark are the late night shows, ABC's Jimmy Kimmel's Live, CBS, The Late Show, NBC's Tonight and Late Night are all going on hiatus. Uh, HBO will also cease live production of Real Time with Bill Mayer and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Comedy Central's The Daily Show is also on hiatus. Uh, Abbott Elementary, which I haven't started watching yet, but I heard is an amazing show. And their writer's room has closed as well. They're standing in solidarity with the, the WGA. Um, and, you know, the, they're standing with, you know, they're standing, standing in solidarity. 
The Big Mouth on Netflix animated series was six weeks into writing the eighth and final season of the show. The creators would, would have finished writing in August without a strike, so they're going on strike next week. So Cobra Kai closed its writing room for season six. Um, you know, tweeted pencils down in solidarity. And no writers are currently on set for season six produ- production. So I Heard Cobra Kai is a, is a very good show as well. Um, good Omens, never heard of that show, but that is also uh, on hiatus. I mean, I mean, this is a big, this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. Uh, House of the Dragon. They have been turned off. They're they're going dark as well. Rap, rap ish. Um, I don't want to say the word. Has you know they're going on strike with Issa Rae. They wrapped in April. Uh, Saturday Night Live, the live sketch show, has gone dark as well. I mean, this is this is uh <laughs> this is really a big deal. The Daily Talk Show, the Talk, will not be filming. Um, they'll show, you know, previously recorded episodes moving forward. Yellow Jackets, never heard of that show, but they're going dark. I mean, this is really a big deal. And I I just want to see exactly, you know, how long this strike is going to last. Um, I did hear something about, you know, it actually being um, only supposed to last till the end of the month. And I guess they, something, they, they want something to happen by then. Um so this is uh yeah man this is this is really kind of crazy. I mean when you think about like what this affects and and you know the kind of effect it can have moving forward. I mean what if they don't get a deal done? What are we going to watch on TV? We're going to be watch stuck watching, you know, reruns of all types of episodes. Um, so I, yeah, but I, I don't I, I don't anticipate this lasting any longer than it should last. I'm pretty sure they will get a deal done because um, I th- I believe that this this story has gotten a lot more um, a lot more you know uh, media coverage than they probably originally anticipated. So you know we, we like to, you know we like to see it, man. We love to see it. We want to get it done. As soon as possible. And uh, shout out to the writers, man. You know what I mean? We we definitely love them, man. Shout out to the writers and the showrunners, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. Yes, thank you. Thank you to the writers and the showrunners, man. Uh, let's kind of transition out of that story and let's go into um a story that I thought was very you know very important that um probably will get some more coverage you know in the coming days uh but the US Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy released an advisory Tuesday addressing the epidemic of loneliness and isolation affecting the country and laying out a framework for a national strategy to advance social connection uh, this advisory is part of the bad administration's broader efforts to address mental health. Um, and yeah, in, in recent years, they say about one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness. 
Now, what they're trying to say is that this was before the, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, cut off so many from friends and loved ones and support systems. And I kind of, I I don't want to say I disagree with that statement, but I kind of disagree with that statement. I, I don't feel like loneliness was as big of a deal before the pandemic. I feel like after the pandemic, yeah, I think it's 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 pretty serious. I think it's it's a it's a major major thing. I will say that this I'm not as social as I used to be prior, you know, pre pandemic. Um, and I you know that probably goes for you know some other people, but I, I I wouldn't know for sure. But I mean, I have to think that being isolated that long had lasting effects. So, um, you know, they say research has showed that loneliness. And isolation are linked to sleep problems, inflammation and immune changes in younger adults and older people. They're tied to symptoms such as pain, insomnia, depression, anxiety, and shorter lifespans. And in people of all ages, they may be associated with higher risks of heart disease, stroke, diabetes, addiction, suicidality, and self-harm and dementia. But one of the things that, that kind of helps loneliness is social connection. Social connection can you know serve as a buffer to health problems while making communities more resilient. Social connection is in a, as, as essential to humanity as food, water, or shelter. I definitely believe that. You know, humans have historically needed to rely on each other for survival, and modern people remain wired for that connection and for proximity to others. I 100 believe that social connection is 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 needed. Uh not even so not even just social connection, sometimes just touch, you know, like physical touch, uh hugs, things of that nature or or you know, essentially like part of, you know, there are things that you know people need. You know what I mean? You don't go without, you know, hugs and and love and things of that nature. I mean, you could turn cold. You could turn very cold. <laughs> Um, but I can see that, yeah, I, I understand. I, I definitely believe that social connection is essential to humanity as food, water, or shelter. I, I 100% believe that. Um, if you don't, you know, kind of get out and interact, that's basically like being in the hole. I mean, I've never been in the hole. I mean, I, I have been in, I have been locked up before, you know, for a couple of days. But, um, yeah, when I mean, when you, you know, I, I from what I heard, I've never been there. But when you are in jail, you know, you you can't be put in a hole and be isolated from people for 24 hours uh, at a time, you know, maybe days, months. You're in the hole with, with no social connection. That could drive somebody crazy. So if you are out in the public or out, you know, as a free person, not somebody that's locked up, and you are essentially not coming out your house and, and staying in your house, it could drive you crazy. Uh and it's scary to actually think about that, you know what I mean? Because and I and I and I understand they're saying that this this existed prior to the pandemic, but for some reason I I you know I'm not really rolling with that. Uh, and if it if it did exist prior to the pandemic, maybe not as high of numbers. Definitely the numbers have definitely went up since the pandemic. There, I mean, there's no way that they haven't. I mean, I just don't see any way possible that they haven't. So. Um. Yeah, man. I, you know, do I consider myself to be a lonely person? I don't. I but I definitely consider myself to be introverted and and, for lack of a better word, I do like to you know kind of insulate and isolate myself from from different 
aspects of the world. That's just something that I, that I like for myself. You know what I mean? I, I like to be kind of private. I don't like to be super mixy, you know what I mean, when I'm outside. I do like to go outside. I do have my, you know, my times when I like to be outside, which, you know, as of recently, I'm trying to be more outside. I, you know, and as I stated, you know, prior to, uh, or what I stated before, you know, I do have to start, you know, being more social. And when I said I had social anxiety and I said I didn't know where it came from, I really don't. You know what I mean? Because I don't recall being super uh, antisocial. But it may it may come from the pandemic. I, I really don't know. But I know that it's definitely heightened, you know what I mean, from what, whatever I felt before. I've I've always been like a low key person though. Um always been kind of private. Uh so me, you know, kind of even, you know, putting these videos out and and doing this podcast has definitely opened me up a lot more than you know what I ever thought I imagined. So But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't consider myself lonely though, but I can see how someone on the outside looking in could potentially say that. You know what I mean? I like to be in the house. I don't really like to be outside. I like that. Uh, I don't really like too much, you know, interaction. Um, So, yeah, somebody could potentially classify me as lonely. I wouldn't agree with them, but I mean, I don't know what the, I'd have to look up the exact, you know, definition um, of what lonely is, but I can, I can kind of see somebody potentially calling me uh lonely. So I don't know. Loneliness according to dictionary dot com is sadness because one has no friends or company. Um okay so I don't think I'm that you know what I mean I have friends I don't really have a lot of company you know what I mean but I I do have friends uh yeah so I, yeah I wouldn't yeah so you know I wouldn't classify myself as lonely and I do feel like this is you know a big deal because right now this is I don't know if you're you know people are kind of aware but um this is month the month of May is is National Mental Health Awareness Month um, during this month, they honor the absolute courage of tens of thousands of million, millions of Americans living with mental health conditions and um, celebrate the loved ones and mental health professionals who are there for them every day. Uh, treatment works and there is no shame in seeking it. And together we will keep fighting to get everyone's access to the care they need to live full and happy lives. Uh, mental Health Awareness Month has been observed in May in the United, in the United States since 1949. And the month is observed with media, local events, film screenings, um, and has been started by the Mental Health America organization. So, yes, this is National Mental Health Month. You know what I mean? And and take care of your mental health. Mental health is wealth. And I think one of the things that I'm actually going to do myself uh, this month is I'm going to read Charlemagne's book, Shook Ones, Anxiety Playing Tricks on Me. I've had the book for a while. I've read, you know, maybe a chapter or two, but I'm actually going to finish the book. That is my goal for this month is to actually finish that book. Um, and, you know, as as an ode to, to my mental health, um, reading is definitely something that's that's good for you. It's not really something I do uh, as far as reading books. I don't really read books often. I definitely read a lot, but I am not a book reader, so to speak. 
but that is that is definitely something that I'm going to do this month for Mental Health Awareness Month. And, you know, definitely, man, I mean, there's nothing wrong with admitting that you have some sort of mental illness. I think when you kind of keep that mental illness uh, under wraps and, um, you know, don't really say anything about it, I think it, you know, can get worse and worse as the days go on. So, um, yeah, man, invest in your mental health. You know, that's one of the things Charlemagne always says. Um, mental health is definitely wealth. Health is wealth as well. And we're going to get into to one of these days, you know, why it is it's costing much money to eat healthy food. We're going to, we're definitely going to, we're going to definitely tap into that one of these days, man. But Because this whole, like, I mean, people want to eat healthy. They want to exercise. But why does it cost so much money, so much more money to eat healthy food than it does to eat fast food and junk food? So we, we definitely going to get into that. Um. Yeah, man. So that that's definitely kind of crazy. Um, let's kind of let's kind of uh, yeah, man. But invest in your mental your mental health. Um, try not to be as lonely. Uh, I know the pandemic has definitely affected a lot of people in regards to um, you know, mental health. Um, but take care of yourself, man. Seek help. Talk to people. You know what I mean. So, kind of staying in that lane of of uh, mental health and and things of that nature. There was an incident that happened in New York on a subway in which uh, a homeless man was choked out by a Marine. And actually, this Marine, well, the medical examiner has ruled the death a homicide. And there is video footage of what happened. And I think we're being desensitized to things of that nature. But there is video footage of this Marine um, choking out. Uh, Jordan Neely, who was the the homeless man, and he was having a mental episode on board an F train in Lower Manhattan Monday afternoon. Um, when the Marine jumped in to restrain him, and definitely didn't you know, and and never let him go. And okay, this story is coming from the Jasmine Brand. Uh, got this from her, from, off of her page. Definitely shout out to the Jasmine Brand. But the Marine is a 23-year-old from Queens, and he took down Neely from behind and placed him in a chokehold for about 15 minutes. Neely passed out, and when EMS arrived, they were unable to revive him. And the first thing I said when I seen it was that that, that was murder. You know what I mean? That that was murder. And a lot of people that were on that train, they did not do anything. Uh now that this man, I mean, he was having a mental health episode, but he was he touched he physically did not touch anybody. Um, he did not have any weapons on him, so he didn't really pose that much of a threat. And it's one thing to restrain him; it's another thing to restrain and choke him for fifteen minutes. That's really unheard of. That's actually really crazy for for when you think about it. Um. And. I, I you know I gotta I gotta figure out where we're at right now. It kind of brings the whole thing back to the George Floyd thing, where people think it's just okay to just restrain people and choke people for that long. So, you know, they said Neely had threatened riders, but didn't know what words were exchanged. Um, and I, you know, I I just don't I just don't really see 
the Marine was taken into custody immediately following a deadly encounter, but released without charges. Yes, he's a Marine. That means that he's, act, I mean, he's certified as, uh, what do they classify Marines and boxers? Like, they're, like, certified. Like, you can't, like, you can't use the skills that you learn in the Marines, the Army, Navy, uh, Air Force. You can't use those skills on civilians. As a boxer, UFC fighter, you can't use those skills on civilians. Like, you, you, you're not allowed to. You're like a trained weapon. I think that's what they, yeah, I believe they're, they're trained weapons. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, the medical examiner, I mean, they, you know, they said it was a homicide. It, it, it's, that's clear cut as day. You don't need to be a medical examiner to see that this man was murdered in broad daylight. Um, the Manhattan DA has not stated whether or not they're going to pursue charges or not yet, but I believe that they're going to get a lot of public backlash if they don't. Um, so we will see what happens with that moving forward. They're going to interview as many witnesses as possible, uh, obtain medical records. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if that Marine thought he was being a hero or what. I, I'm just not really sure what he thought. I, I really, I really just don't understand it. You know what I mean? This man was having a mental health episode and, and, you know, goes back to what we were just talking about, investing your mental wealth, your mental health. And maybe he just needed to be talked to. He did not to be need to be restrained and choked for 15 minutes. I just don't see that being the solution. So, prayers out to Jordan Neely and his family dealing with this loss. And as far as the Marine, man, I mean they're gonna give you some, they're gonna give you some leniency because you serve the country, but more than likely you're going to jail. I I just don't see any any way possible that you're not. You murdered a man in broad daylight in front of in front of hundreds, you know, in front of well, I ain't gonna say hundreds of people, but in front of a lot of people. And those people did not do anything. And I and I think about myself, what would I have done in that situation? I might have said something. I might have stepped up and said something. I just don't know if I can sit there and watch another man get choked out. But for that long. Um you know, maybe a couple minutes once you get him on the ground, all right, cool. But to, like to just keep holding on and holding on and holding on, no, something got to give, man. And I understand the people that were on that train were probably scared. Um, but you know, somebody, I don't know, man. I just feel like somebody should have stepped up after maybe you know a couple minutes. But once you get into like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten minutes, eleven minutes, twelve minutes, somebody should have stepped up and and said something. So it's just an unfortunate situation all around. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it's it's crazy. But shout out to the Jasmine brand for for breaking that story, of um, of it actually being considered you know a homicide by the medical examiners. Um, stay, dang, dang, this is more bad news. I don't want to. I, I definitely didn't want to start out. I know we didn't start with sports. But I didn't want to start with all types of bad news though. But man, so in Atlanta, um. After a nearly eight-hour chaotic manhunt, authorities captured the man accused of opening fire in a Midtown Atlanta medical building Wednesday and killing a 38-year-old woman and wounding four others. The suspected gunman, 24-year-old Dion Patterson, went inside Northside Medical Midtown just before noon and shot the first victim shortly after. The suspect used a handgun in the attack before fleeing on foot and hijacking a vehicle nearby. 
the slain woman was Amy St. Pierre. Prayers out to her family. St. Pierre worked for the Atlanta-based CDC Control and Prevention Center. Um, so she was doing, I mean, she just came off the pandemic. She worked for the CDC, so she'd been working hard. Um, and for that to happen to her is just extremely unfortunate. Uh, the ages of the women who were wounded in the shooting range from 25 to 71. They were sent to a nearby Atlanta hospital uh, with three of them arriving in critical condition. Um, this is definitely considered a mass shooting. Um, the latest in a relentless series of gun violence across America. And it sent Atlanta's bustling midtown community into shock as authority asked, authorities asked residents and patrons visiting the area to shelter in place while police searched for the gunman. Uh, it was definitely a traumatic day for the city, the mayor said. Um, and I've seen a, a, I think I've seen, I don't know how real this was, and that's what I'm saying. You got to kind of watch what's on the internet. And I don't have a source to cite right now and regarding that. But it appears that somebody interviewed the gunman. I, I, I'm not sure if, if that is real or not. Um, I definitely have to fact check it, but don't quote me on that. But for some reason, I think I've seen somewhere that they interviewed the gunman. And the dude that they interviewed, he did look like the gunman. He he definitely did. Um, and if that is the case, that is even more crazy. That man is bold, man. That is definitely, I mean, you you definitely pretty bold if you're going to do an interview and they're looking for you. Uh, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure if that, that is 100% factual. Um, but I hope that, I just hope it wasn't the case. You know what I mean? I just hope it wasn't the case, man. But uh, Dion Patterson, you know what I mean? I guess he, you know, must have snapped. Uh, he's definitely being charged with murder. And, um, man, it's just, yeah, it's just crazy, man. You know what I mean? I'm glad they caught him before he did any more damage to anybody else. And, uh, you know, we we got to do something about this, this gun epidemic, man. We've got to do something about this gun epidemic. I don't know what, what the, the solution is. I really just don't know, but, you know, innocent lives are being lost all the time due to, you know what I mean, guns being in the hands of wrong people. So Patterson's facing one count of murder, four counts of aggravated assault, and, you know, we just got to, I mean, yeah, we just got, we got to do better. We got to do something about these guns. Uh, it seems like, you know, America has the most problem with guns. I don't really see all these stories uh, in other countries in regards to, to mass shootings. Um, and, I, and I yeah, and I guess the definition of mass shooting is, is something I'm still trying to kind of grasp and, and figure out exactly what the definition of mass shooting is. Um, but, I mean, they, they say it's three or more people being shot. Uh, I think it's a little different, I, you know what I mean, at least in my, my kind of definition of a mass shooting. But nonetheless, though, prayers out to, you know, those involved in that that incident. And, um, yeah, man, it just goes to show you people getting, you know what I mean, getting a little, little reckless out here. People are getting reckless out here. And it's we, we that's something that we don't love to see at all and that we wish, you know what I mean, would kind of slow down. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, man, prayers are all involved, man. So, hey, we already had 35 minutes, and I ain't even getting in nowhere near to what I wanted to get into. Uh, let's kind of get out of that, and let's get into this no-no of the week. This no-no of the week is near and dear to my heart, because it, you know what I mean, as someone that um, sometimes is a referee, I would hope that something like this would never happen to me at all. I believe that, you know, referees are there to, you know, they're they're, they're volunteering their time, essentially, and they don't expect to get swung on while they're, you know, volunteering their time, you know, working with kids, man. You know what I mean? Referees, they're they're more than just refs. Uh, you know, they like to be around youth and 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 it's just kind of crazy, man. So this story is coming out of uh I believe Virginia. And a coach and a referee got into a fight at some kind of organized high school age basketball game. This was last Saturday. Uh, the wild scene was caught on video by a parent. It's, it looks like it starts when the coach shoves or punches the referee who then squares up, correctly assuming the coach is going to want to continue to fight. The coach throws a leg kick, and then they start taking swings. The coach shoves a female official away multiple times before the fight is broken up, and the referee is convinced he should leave. Inexplicably, it appears the coach is staying as the video ends, and... This happened at an AAU tournament, um, and I I understand AAU is is now a big deal. It's a big money maker. A lot of coaches, you know what I mean, are there. They're trying to showcase their talent. They're trying to showcase their coaching talent. They're trying to you know showcase their kids that they that you know they have on their teams. They're trying to showcase their talent as well. Um, it's a it's a it's a lot of money involved. In this, you know, in AAU now, uh, in regards in regards to everybody wanting to have the best program, but at some point, you as a coach, you are still a role model, mentor, etc. You cannot your behavior on the sidelines is being mimicked and watched by those that you are coaching. So for you to swing on the referee is inexcusable. Like you, it's inexcusable. It's it, it's inexcusable. There's really no other way to put it. I don't know any other way to put it, man. But there's no way in the world that a referee who is there to do a job um should be getting swung on. Like like I don't see any scenario where that happens. I have been on both sides. Of of this, you know, of the spectrum in regards to I've ref games, I've coached games. The dialogue and banter between referee and coach, referee and parents, coaches and parents, coaches and refs, is supposed to be friendly, it's supposed to be um intense during you know, during certain moments, it's supposed to be uh fun, it's supposed to be educational. Uh, I mean, there, there's many words for for those interactions, but none of those words involve violence. None of those words involve fighting. And I'm just, I just I'm just trying to figure out how how do we get there? You know what I mean? How do we get there? I understand bad calls are made all the time. Referees are human; they're not perfect. 
I've made bad calls before as a ref. I've, you know what I mean? I've screamed at, you know, at referees before as a coach. And, but I've never, never in my, like, in no type, way, shape, or form have I thought about putting my hands on a ref. Like, that's, there's, like, I would never even think about doing that. And I would never think that a ref would want to put his hands on me. Like, that's just not, that's not what we're there for. We're there for the kids. As a coach and a ref, you are there for the kids. When you put your hands on a ref or on a coach physically, that means it's all about you. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You're there for the players. You're there for the kids, especially at AAU tournaments. There are a lot of people at these tournaments. Uh, there are coaches, college coaches that are scouting players. Um, sometimes they're scouting coaches. You know what I mean? And it's just like, no, nah, man, we're not doing that. That is definitely not what we're doing. Because it, it just goes to show that, like, as adults, you're supposed to find another way to deal with conflict. Because then what happens when your players follow up and do the same thing you did? They see you putting your hands on the referee. Now that, you know, something goes wrong in the game, they want to put their hands on the opposing player. Now you get a whole other problem. Um, they did not state the, the coach's name, and I'm kind of glad they did. They didn't. I don't really want to kind of, you know, call them out on like that. But this seems to have been happening a lot more in in you know high school football, you know high school uh seven on seven um basketball AAU tournaments I believe like in Texas you know one of the uh, seven on seven coaches got shot um there's just you know a lot of incidents in youth football and things of that nature and we got to stop that it's about the kids man it is not about you the parents did not come to see the coach and the ref go at it they came to watch their sons their daughters play whatever sport that they're you know that they're playing. And in no way, shape, or form is violence even supposed to be thought of or heard of in that type of situation. So this no-no goes out to whoever that coach or ref was that um that I'm not gonna blame it on the ref. I'm blaming it on the coach. I'm not gonna blame it. the ref is there doing the job. This is strictly on the coach. In no way, shape, or form should the coach be going after the ref. This no-no goes out to that basketball coach and any other coach that tries to fight a referee that's there to do a job, man. This no-no goes out to you. It's something I just can't go for, man. no-no goes to you and you and you, okay? We're not going for that. Um, I definitely don't <laughs> I definitely don't want to see it or hear it about it at all. And um, yeah, man, that's, that's all I got for that, man. That is all that I got for that. Um... Kind of transition out of that. I still got to get into the sports. Hopefully, hopefully we will get into that. I may have to extend this episode. Last episode, I did kind of make a little bit longer. Um. So we yeah we'll we'll try to get into the to the sports in a second. So I may extend this episode just a little bit. Um. Yeah, let's 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 kind of get into to some of the sports. Uh, we have um, what do we have going on today, sports wise. Well, the Lakers. Let's let's kind of get into the Lakers and the Warriors. 
They play tonight. This is game two tonight. Um, considered a must win for the Warriors. LeBron James has never lost a series when he's been up 2 nothing. Uh, in game one, Anthony Davis had 30 points, 23 rebounds, five assists, and four blocked shots. LeBron James added 22 points, 11 rebounds, uh, dueling, dueling with Steph Curry, and the Lakers held off a late flurry by Golden State to win an entertaining game one in the Western Conference semifinals. This was the most watched Western Conference uh, most watched conference semifinals ever. 7.4 million view, viewers uh, you know, tuned in to watch this game on Tuesday night, in which the Lakers won 117-112. Jordan Poole missed a three-pointer to tie with 9.7 seconds left. As the Warriors rally in the closing minutes fell short. Um, and it was a good game. It was definitely a good game. Um, I do expect this series to go at least six or seven games. Um, because I, I just don't see, I just don't see like the Lakers or the Warriors getting beat and only winning one game in a series or two games. So I just don't see that happening. Curry finished with 27 points. Klay Thompson had 25. Kevon Looney grabbed a career high, 23 rebounds for a fourth game of this postseason with 20 or more. He also had 10 points, five assists. Uh, but Davis, you know, AD, AD dominated from the jump, making nine of his first 10 shots. D'Angelo Russell finished with 19 points, just out six assists. And I think AD... Now, the way the Warriors were playing Sabonis, they were giving him wide open, you know, free throw line extended jump shots. You can't do that with Anthony Davis. You you just can't. He can shoot. He can make that shot. He's willing to take that shot and make that shot. And he's a matchup nightmare for the Warriors. Kevon Looney is too slow for AD. Draymond Green is too small for AD. He can kind of, he should be able to get what he wants. The, the numbers that he had the first time, the first Lakers player since Shaq with the 30 and 20, that should be his average for this series. Like, and which, which, the reason why I have the Lakers winning this series, I don't see any way that they stop Anthony Davis. I just don't see it. Um, the Lakers were also 16 of 17 from the free throw line in the first half and 25 for 29 overall. AD made all eight of his free throw attempts. Um, Golden State didn't shoot a free throw until Poole converted a three-point play with 38 seconds left before halftime. They finished five for six from the line. I mean, that's that right there is a difference of 20 points that the Lakers got. But, I mean, the Lakers are, you know, they plan on playing in the paint. So, Golden State finished 21 of 53 and for the from three-point line. And for the first time, three teammates made at least six threes in a playoff game. With Curry, Clay, and Poole, but the Lakers dominated in the paint, fifty-four to twenty-eight points, uh, paint points, and I just expect that to continue. And you know, I used to do a drill, um, you know, well, I still coach, but when I, you know, recently had coached, I used to do a drill where I would put players outside the three-point line, and they would shoot as many threes as possible, and then I would put one or two players underneath the hoop, and they would shoot layups. And I would put 60 seconds on the clock, and I would see who could make more shots. Obviously, well, not yet. Obviously, the players that were shooting the layups would always make more than the players that were shooting the threes. I would always put more players outside the three-point line than I had inside shooting the layups. And not one time ever did 
The players that were shooting the threes beat the players that were shooting the layups. So I say all that to say that the Lakers are playing in the paint. They're shooting closer shots. The only way that Golden State beats the Lakers is if they shoot lights out from three. They have to shoot lights out. When you're shooting high percentage shots in the paint, your chances of scoring are way higher than if you're shooting outside the three. Also, you have a higher chance of getting to the free throw line and getting free points. Uh, hence the 25 to 20, 25 to 5 three th- free throw discrepancy. So we will see what happens moving forward. I do expect there to be coaching adjustments made by Steve Kerr. I also do expect to see coaching adjustments made by Darvin Ham. And I'm looking forward to the game tonight. I do have Golden State winning this game. I just do not see them going down 0-2 against the Lakers. This is not the Sacramento Kings. They will not come back from 0-2 against them. So this is pretty much a must-win tonight for Golden State. Will there be pressure on them? Yes. Are they used to pressure? Yes. Uh, But I do expect a good game, though. So, um, Knicks. Let's get on to the Knicks and the Miami Heat. They tied the series up 1-1. Jalen Brunson, 30 points, keyed the the run the Knicks needed just in time for a 111-105 victory over Miami Heat team playing without Jimmy Butler. Uh, Julius Randle returned from a sprained left ankle, and he finished with 25 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. R.J. Barrett scored 16 of his 24 points in the first quarter. And Josh Hart finished with 14 points, 11 rebounds, and two big threes in the fourth quarter. Um, that pretty much sealed the game for the Knicks when it was it was still left in doubt. Um, Caleb Martin from the Heat scored 22 points in place of Butler and no host game three Saturday afternoon in which they hope Jimmy Butler will be able to play. Um, Jimmy Butler is the leading scorer in the playoffs so far and Miami has no chance without him playing. Now they did, they did have a, it was very close this game. So they almost didn't need Jimmy Butler, but they definitely did. You know what I mean? When it came down to the stretch, they come down in the clutch time, they needed somebody that can get them a bucket, and they kind of had some problems, you know, manufacturing offense. Gabe Vincent, who's been shooting the lights out um, in this playoffs, finished with 21 points. Max Struess finished with 17 points. Um, but he, you know, finished didn't finish the game. He went back to the locker room with a bruised lower back. Bam Adebayo had 15 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. And I still have – I mean, the way, the way that uh, – Miami played this game and were almost won the game. I have them beating the Knicks, man. And I know that's not a popular thing, man. That's not a popular thing. But, I mean, can New York win the series? Yes, they can. But Miami appears to be the better team. So, for Stephen A's sake, for orange and blue skies, baby, orange and blue skies, you know what I mean? I kind of want the Knicks to win, but I just don't see it happening right now. I, I just don't. So um, we'll see what you know. We'll have an update Saturday, um, after that game, and we'll we'll see who takes you know game three and takes that two one lead. But I expect it to be the Heat if Jimmy Butler plays. Uh, what what else do we have? We had the Boston Celtics tying up the series with the Philadelphia seventy sixers with a one twenty one to eighty seven blowout. Um, yeah, the Celtics. <laughs> They they kind of they kind of beat the brakes off the 76ers yesterday. 
I mean, they were beaten so bad that the starters, the 76ers starters, did not play in the fourth quarter. The Celtics became the 15th consecutive team to win game two of a series after losing game one at home. And the Celtics did so by getting back to their roots, taking 51 three-point attempts and making 20 of them. After Philadelphia limited Boston to just 26 attempts, which was their lowest total in any game this season in game one. Uh, ultimately, though, the 76ers, they couldn't hit a shot. They finished the game shooting under 40% and a very dismal performance from three, six for 30 from three-point range. They were six for 21 from the floor in the third quarter as Boston broke open what had been a competitive game at halftime. And Harden, after his brilliant game one, went two for 14 from the field and missed all six of the three-point attempts. Uh, Joel Embiid did come back. He was not that much of a factor. He finished with 15 points, five blocks in 27 minutes. Um, but it, I think it was good to see him get out there. I think there's a lot of people that did not think he was going to play um, this game. Because, you know, Philly had got the one nothing lead. They had stole home court back. But, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of of the ilk of why not? If you got one, why not get two? I understand that, you know, we got one and we're satisfied with getting one. But I think each situation is different. Uh, I think with Philly, you know, not being, you know, not having gotten past the second round of the playoffs the last three or four times they've been in the playoffs, I think you got to try to get two. So I understand them playing and beat. It just didn't go the way they thought it was going to go. That's all. Um, Jalen Brown led all scores with a game had 25 points. Jason Tatum, who only played 19 minutes, scored seven points after spending most of the game in foul trouble. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon tied a franchise playoff record with six three-pointers off the bench. He finished with 23 points. And, you know, I mean, the Celtics, they shot the lights out. You know, they made seven threes during the third quarter. Uh, they outscored the 76ers 35-16 in the third quarter. And that, you know, that margin right there allowed Boston to rest um, Brown and Tatum for the fourth quarter. So Boston looks strong. I mean, they're going to look strong. They have shooters. But if I'm the 76ers, I'm making Marcus Smart and Al Horford and Robert Williams beat me. Maybe not Robert Williams because I think anytime you're giving up shots to him, they're going to be laps. But in regards to Marcus Smart and Al Horford, I'm making those two beat me. I'm leaving Marcus Smart. I'm playing him. I'm sagging off of Marcus Smart, and I'm sagging off of Al Horford unless he is in the corner. I'm not giving Al Horford corner threes. That's where he shoots his highest percentage. That's the easiest three-point shot to make in the NBA. Um, I'm not giving him corner threes. But if he's anywhere other than the corner, I'm leaving him wide open. He has to, he has to beat me. I'm not letting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown beat me. I'm just not. It's kind of similar to the defense that the, the Lakers were playing on Curry and Clay. Uh, they were sagging off of Draymond Green and sagging off of Kevon Looney. They're just packing the paint. Everybody else, you're going to have to score, man. It's Draymond, you got to make some shots. Looney, you're going to have to make some shots. Wiggins, you're going to have to make some shots. I'm not letting Clay and Curry be, and beat me. I'm just not. So that same strategy for me is going to exist with uh, – with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. So I'm not sure who's watching Al Horford, maybe Tobias Harris, but unless Al Horford is roaming around to the corner, I'm leaving him wide open. I am. I might I might cover him at the top of the key. That's an easy three-point shot too, but more than likely, I'm probably not. Marcus Smart, I'm leaving him wide open. 
That's it. I mean, he's going to have to score 30. If he does, more power to him. But I'm leaving him wide open, man. So, uh, 76ers, yeah, they, they you know, they, they kind of got done in real bad last game. But um, I do I do like Philly in this series for some reason. But if Boston shoots like that, all bets are off. I just don't see it happening. Um, like we have 56 minutes already. Yeah, but that that's kind of all we got. What else do we got from the sports? Oh, Lamar Jackson finally signed his contract. That happened today. Um, it's official. You know what I mean? That he signed that five-year, $260 million contract. So that happened today as well. Um, Chris Paul, we'll see if he plays tomorrow night. His status is still up in the air with that groin injury. And um, I think Phoenix may potentially be in trouble, especially if he's you know a no-go. So we will kind of see what happens with that moving forward. Um... Yeah, and that pretty much covers all the you know NBA playoffs, man. It's fantastic. We love to see it. It's something that we you know we are definitely still, um, definitely still tuning into every game. I mean, there's a game. It's forty days and forty nights. TNT, ESPN with the coverage. TNT mainly with the coverage. Um, yeah, man. So that's that's something that I'm already I'm already at fifty seven minutes. I'm gonna extend this episode maybe about another. Three or four minutes, because uh, I do I, I do want to introduce this new segment that I I, I just got to do it, man. Because what happened was just was just was just horrible, man. Was just horrible. Speaking of TNT, um, Gail King and Charles Barkley, King Charles debut Saturday morning um, on CNN. I, I don't know why it's a morning show, but it is a morning show. So shout out to uh, Gail King and Chuck um, for that show. I, I'm going to watch. I, I, I'm going to be, I think that's going to be an entertaining show. I don't know, you know what I mean? I think that that's going to be a very entertaining show. Uh, I think we all love Charles Barkley. We all love his commentary and what he, you know, what he does and what he brings, you know, when he is, um, the knowledge and, and the expertise that he brings along with, you know, the witty and funniness that he has that comes with it. So we all love Chuck. Um, and we all love Gail King. Of course we love Gail King. You know what I mean? She's, you know, media icon, of course. And, um, I don't see, I see King Charles being one of the better, you know, shows that are going to be out here. So, uh, shout out to them. Um, and yeah, man, we're going to, we're going to transition over to, um, we're gonna transition over to. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm only going. Yeah, I'm gonna do one or two more things in this episode that I just kind of want to get off my chest. So I'm gonna introduce this new segment. It is a player hater segment, and I had to do it because I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. Because what happened, I was not happy with. Yeah, I was not happy with what the Golden State Warriors did to LeBron James. So this this player haters segment is going out to y'all, man. Everybody knows LeBron James 
you know, before the game starts, he goes to the scorer's table. He puts the powder on his hands. Uh, you know, he puts his hands in the air and the powder goes all over the place. And the Golden State Warriors, I, I don't know if I want to consider this petty, but I people might consider this petty. I consider it to be hate. I consider this to be an extreme hater. Like, this is an extreme hater move. So when LeBron James went to the scorer's desk to put the powder on his hands and do his, do his every game ritual, Golden State put the bottles there with no powder in them. Yes, no powder was in there. LeBron James goes to take the, the you know, the, the bottles of, I don't know if it's baby powder, talking powder, whatever it is. He tries to put the powder on his hands and nothing comes out. He looks around like, what the heck is going, like, what is this? He looks around like, what is this, man? I don't understand what's going on with this, yo. He puts the powder on, he keeps putting the powder on, and he and he's just like, he just, you know, puts the powder down and just goes out to the goes out to the uh start the game. That's extreme hate, man. That is like Golden State, I expect better from you. I expect way better from you, Golden State. But that was a hater move, man. That was a hater move. How are you hating on look, look, that for that reason alone, y'all not gonna win the series, man. Like that type of karma will come back to you, but that's the ultimate hater move. I have never seen a hater move like that in my life. LeBron ain't, I mean, LeBron does that in every arena he goes to, every game he plays in. And for y'all to make the talcum powder bottles be empty, but still have them sitting there, that's a hater move, man. And just for that, man, this 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 segment, this player hater segment goes to the Golden State Warriors staff. I don't know if coaching staff, I don't know who training staff, I don't know who did it. But this, I expect better from you, Golden State. I expect better from you, man. But this player hater segment goes to you. Yes, that player hated segment goes to you, man. Unbelievable, yo. I go and state, unbelievable, man. I like that type of that type of stuff right there is why you you guys probably won't win the win the series, man. But uh, yeah, man. Transition out of there. We got a couple more things to cover. Fifty Cent just announced his final lap tour, which is Get Rich or Die Trying. He has an American um, cities list and he has an international cities list. I believe the closest is coming here is going to be uh, Ohio. Um, I do kind of want, he's doing a show in Brooklyn, so I may want to go to that. Um, Legends of the Streets tour is in Brooklyn at the Barclays tomorrow night. I was thinking about going to that, but I think I'm going to not go. It's Cinco de Mayo tomorrow. So I was thinking about going, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know. I'm kind of having second thoughts because I guess I just don't want to drive up there and then drive back Saturday for Drewski. Um, so I'm kind of still in debate on whether or not I'm going to go to that. Um, Jamie Foxx update. Jamie Foxx is doing better. He put out a statement um, that he, you know, he appreciates all the love. He feels the love that he's getting. Um, they still haven't released too much more information about it. They're flying in a emergency neurological doctor to come in and check on him. Um, but him just putting out that that you know that statement. Um, via Instagram is a good sign. Uh, Nick Cannon will be taking over uh, Shazam, Beat Shazam, the show that he 
he does with his daughter, Corinne Fox. And both of them are taking a hiatus. Nick Cannon, of course, we love Nick Cannon. Um, so I'm sure that when Nick, you know, when Jamie Foxx get better, Nick Cannon will, will step aside and Jamie Foxx will get his spot back. Um, what else do we have? Will Packer is doing a celebrity dating show and he is looking for men locally in Atlanta, but he, you know, those are encouraged to apply. Uh, but everybody can apply from all over, you know, all over, but looking for men in Atlanta. And this is going to be a dating show where, you know, select men. Bus drivers, I don't want to get into the bus drivers talk. I'm going to leave that alone. But, uh, you know, hardworking men will be dating female celebrities. And I got to say, I'm interested. I'm interested. Would I, would I apply for the show? Probably not, but I'm definitely going to watch. I'm definitely going to watch, man. It's going to be interesting to see how these celebrity women treat men that are not on the same status level as them. I believe that a couple of these women will fall in love with these men. You know, because sometimes there are good men out here that are not, you know, not of that status. But if they get a chance to, it's just like uh, Hitch. It's just like Hitch. We all love Hitch the movie. You know, Albert Brenneman, you know, gets with the with Allegra Cole. And Albert, he's just a regular guy, man. But Allegra Cole ends up falling in love with him. And it's just like sometimes all you need is opportunity. You need a chance to, you know, to, to reach a woman of that status, man. And give her the world and make her happy. So I'm interested in this show. I will 100% be watching, man, for sure. Um, what else do we got? Uh, yeah, that that's pretty much about it, man. We we pretty much going to get out of here. We're going to end this episode. Um, I did kind of want to get into some other talk, but I'm going to save that for the next episode. I haven't really done any relationship talk. In the last two episodes, maybe three episodes, but we definitely going to get into that next episode. Uh, one of the la- one of the last, you know, one of the last things I got to get this off my chest. I, I have to. Um, little Uzi. Oh, shout out to Young Miami, Jason Lee. I did watch the interview. Dope interview. Uh, but yeah, Little Uzi. I gotta, I gotta get into this. Little Uzi is I want to rock. An actual song. I don't I don't know if I want to rock as a song. There's no lyrics in it. All it is, it's short. We gotta have the conversation on it on if I wanna rock is just is actual song or is it just a hook? Cause there I mean there I mean, don't get me wrong, it's definitely one of the better song hooks, choruses, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you I don't know what you can qualify. I want to rock. I just don't know what you qualify it as. I mean, currently right now it's a song, but is it really a song when it has no words in it? Like I just want to rock, body yada yada. Like is that is that considered a song? I just don't know if that is considered a song. Like, is that gonna win? Is that gonna win an award over somebody that that put out a song that is, uh? You know, that is, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I don't know if that's a song, man. I just don't know. I mean, and I'm going to play it right now just because I just want, I want feedback. I want feedback. This song is two minutes and four seconds. We're going to count how many words are in it.
That's one word. Whoa, that's two words. This ain't what you want. This ain't what you want. That's four or five. We still heard the same words. Alright, that's that sounds like that's a verse. Okay, that's a verse right there. That sounds like a verse. I love Uzi too. I'm not classifying this as a song. That was that did sound like a verse, but I'm just not classifying this as a song. And just like that, it's over. I, I I don't know, man. I don't know if that's a song, man. I don't know, man. Let me know. Leave leave it in the comments. Uh, however y'all want to do it. Um, shout out to Uzi, though, man. Uzi is definitely dope. He makes dope music. Um, Exo Tour Life, one of my favorite songs ever. Money Longer, definitely one of my favorite songs ever. I, I'm, this is no shade towards Uzi. I would go to a concert if Uzi's around. He definitely will have a turn, but I just don't know if that's considered a song, man. So, um, yeah, that's all we got, man. We getting out of here. Uh, yeah, we getting out of here, man. Um, <laughs> we getting out of here. Episode, you got an episode 57. We almost at 60, which is crazy because I swear these episodes is going quick. I'm trying to get to that 100, man. But we getting out of here, man. You got an episode 57. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take care of your mental health. Shout out to the writers, showrunners. Y'all gonna get y'all paid. I have no doubt in my mind. Look at me, look at me. I'm a boss like my nigga Rose. Shooting at me for a check. I told that bitch like no. Shout out to Rose and Wingstop, man. For sure. Shout out to me. I can use some new meat, man. That motivation music. Shout out to Kiki Palmer, just cause. If you don't know why, you, you check the internet. So many shades they thought I had a lazy eye. Uh, 
Shorty roll me smooth as my Mercedes ride. No love, cry when only babies die. And when I go, that casket better cost a hundred thou. I pray to God I look my killer in his eyes. Snatch his soul out his shirt, just take him for that ride. OG is one who's standing on his own feet. A boss is one who guarantee we gon' meet. Huh, fuck a blog, dog, cause one day we gon' meet. I'ma spaz on your ass like I'm on knee. Or a double stack, better nigga, double that. Jerry Jones money, nigga, you a running back. Shout out Lamar Jackson. Get that bag. And I put that on my mate. 400,000 Meek be going crazy. We out of here. You got an episode 57. See ya.